0: So, what does it take to launch and run an Amada Senior Care franchise? Well, find out on another episode of We Are Amada. I'm Marcos Mora. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody, welcome to this episode of We Are Amada. This is an amazing episode. I know I say that every single time, but I really mean it this time. And I meant it the other times too, but especially this time. We have Rob Story on with us. He is our franchise partner in Northwest Indiana and in Orland Park. He is a Purdue graduate, he's like a, a legend in Indiana. At least that's what he tells me, and <laughs> yeah. a wonderful franchise partner. Now, what's, what I love about Rob is the idea that we have franchise partners that come from all walks of life. Yes, a lot of our franchise partners come from medical device and pharmaceutical sales, but Rob's story. And Greg Farley, his partner, come from a different background, so I'm excited to share that with you. So, if you're looking at a modest senior care and you're thinking, "Is this the right business for me?" It'd be great if you're not from medical device pharmaceuticals, you've never been in healthcare, and you're thinking about this. This could be a great podcast episode for you. So, Rob, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Marcus. I appreciate it.
0: And I know that I was I was kidding about being a legend in Indiana, but uh, when you when you go to Purdue University, does that kind of make you a legend or no? Absolutely. Oh, good. There you go. So I was right.
1: Crad- cradle of quarterbacks and more uh, astronauts than any school except for the Naval Academy.
0: I did not know that.
1: Or maybe the Air Force Academy, one of those. Air Force Academy. Wow. Yeah.
0: Let's go back to, I, I love the fact that you were sort of kind of in healthcare, but not really. So give us a little bit of your background uh, going from after college and what, what were you doing after that and lead us all the way to stumbling onto modest Senior Care.
1: Sure, so after college I worked at uh, Little Caesars, which is a chain pizza place. I worked there for about seven or eight years in the store, you know, in the restaurant, and then for a few years as a district manager. From there I went to CVS Pharmacy, uh, worked in the store as a front store manager. So I was in the store for um, four or five years And then after that, I was a district manager for about 14 years, 13 years, uh, managing, you know, 20 plus locations across Northwest Indiana, you know, all the recruiting and implementing sales plans and people management that kind of stuff. And then um, I knew in my role as a field manager that it was not a role that I would want to retire from. It was a pretty high burnout rate. I was seeing my colleagues that had been in that role longer not retire from that role. And I knew that as time went on, I was starting to feel like there was um, it was very difficult for my team to meet the goals. And I was finding myself increasingly... Bothered by the things I was asking my team to achieve.
0: Wait, wait. Bothered by like the the quotas were higher. The quotas or... were higher.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was you know trying to do more for less. Um, yeah. You know, my team was working really hard. It seemed like when I was in the stores, there was they were they were highly stressed. Whether it was in the pharmacy or in the front store, you know, I saw it on their faces. I saw it in the way they interacted with each other and with with myself. And um, it, it just. You know, I was middle management, and when you're in middle management, to me, you know you're doing a good job when the people below you are not happy and the people above you are not happy.
0: You know, it's interesting, right? You know, John Pascal, our franchise partner in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, John come, came from, uh, it was Best, the,
1: the- Best Buy, I believe, or one of those. Best Buy,
0: yeah. And I remember talking to him how, and I think this is true about retail, retail and restaurants, there's there's sort of, a, it seems to me, an unspoken, like, there, there, are, no, there are no hours, don't you no. just work like forever? Yes, especially as a as a regional manager. Was there there was no expectation of you taking time off, right? You just work like crazy. Correct,
1: correct. You were always the phone could ring at any moment with some emergency or something you had to drop what you were doing and deal with.
0: So you start to feel like, hey, and and you also said that you saw a lot of your colleagues. You said not retiring. Is that what you said?
1: Correct. They were going on to other careers. You know, they, oh, they were choosing to they were choosing to leave before hitting that retirement point because it was just. You know, they've been doing it for 10-plus years, and it was, I think... For them had gotten to the same point that you know i'd gotten to
0: gotcha okay so so now you're at that point you're you're tired of asking your team to do more with less you're looking at what could be my next career and how did you find a modest senior care
1: uh through linkedin was how you know i was i guess recruited from tim valencia and you know he and i had had a few conversations over the course of a few years it wasn't like it was hey this is a great idea and i'm just gonna jump at it you know i thought about it you know for for me having a stable income was extremely important you know, I wasn't ready when I first was put in contact with Amada to take that kind of financial risk. I'm not that type of person. And, you know, I had kids in college and things like that. So I, I needed to know where, where my next meal was coming from. And, uh, as time went on, I, you know, I got to a point where I could, I could take the risk and the lure of, me being able to determine what success looked like was very appealing. And so I did. I talked with Greg who was, you know, worked with me at CVS. We, we worked together for 10-12 years at CVS and there was no one in the world that I would want to do this with than Greg and you know, he and I talked about it and we did some of our own investigating and checked out some other companies and just really fell in love with what Amada had to offer.
0: And Greg had been at CVS for just as long?
1: Maybe a few years less. I think he was at CVS maybe 13-14 years somewhere in that neighborhood.
0: Wow. Wow. And, and so you go to him and you say, hey, I'm thinking about this home care company. I think it could be interesting. Was he, was he like, yeah, let's take a look at it right away? Was he hesitating? How, how did that go?
1: He was definitely ready to look right away. He's very aggressive. And when he gets an idea, he runs full force at it. And that's one of the things that I think is awesome about working with Greg. And so, we, you know, we kind of jumped in looking, doing our investigating, you know, both feet.
0: And you started uh, uh, the first territory was in northwest indiana when you talk about northwest indiana what what are the towns there
1: uh valparaiso merrillville sherrillville crown point gary would be one of the big ones too
0: okay so you start out there and what year is
1: this we opened our doors in 2018 was when we got licensed so So we started the process in 2017.
0: okay so 2017 you acquire the franchise you do your license and and you do require a license there in indiana correct correct and that took about how long to get your license four or five months Four or five months to get the license and then you guys open so and I, I think we always try to tell prospective franchise partners that this is going to be hard and i i, I hope we, we try not to sugarcoat that we get excited about the prospect of somebody starting a business but you always tell them listen this is going to be hard so well rob how hard was it we talk about that first year 2018 it's you know pandemic it doesn't even exist tell me what was
1: that like that's what i refer to as the year of no sleep <laughs> yeah So it was it was it was hard because you're not not only are you not bringing in paycheck, you're very concerned about when you start bringing on clients and bringing on caregivers. You've got all these people that you're now responsible for their you know sort of well-being, whether it's providing a, a safe and profitable environment for your caregivers and providing quality caregivers and a safe environment for your clients. And it's just it's different in the home care space. Lots of times, you know, kind of being up at night waiting for that last caregiver to clock in so I could go to sleep. Uh, something happens last minute, just like with anyone, you know, you have last minute call offs and I can't tell you how many times I got out of bed at 10 o'clock and said to my wife, all right, I'm 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 heading to a shift, you know, and be working something from 10 at night until 7, 8 the next morning when we could yeah. get somebody else there. So it's it's not uncommon, but I wouldn't change anything. But it was that first year is extremely stressful. Getting to the point where you are breaking even was like kind of your first milestone. And then being able to draw a paycheck is the next milestone. And that all happens in that first six months to a year.
0: For you guys, it did. And and I know that for some folks, it can be a little bit longer, but it definitely takes a lot of sacrifice. And and I think it's funny that you talked about you were f- having all these feelings at CVS about overworked. And I think it's, this is not a knock on CVS, let's talk about that. I mean, great organization, but Absolutely. I think we all get to that point in corporate America. But now you leave, and I gotta believe that year was even harder than any of the years with CVS?
1: Yes, I would agree in a lot of ways. The, the one way where it was different, which is, I think, for me, ultimately, why I was so happy to be out of kind of that corporate setting was that I'm the one determining what success looks like. Right. No one else was telling me, hey, you did great, but you got to do more. Or you Something do about this. that, isn't it?
0: The, the sacrifice, I mean, it pulled you away from your family. It, it sleepless nights, the, the craziness, the conflicts, the issues. And yet what so do you, do you feel like you were happier during that year than the than the last few years of CVS?
1: Oh hundred percent. Absolutely. That's so crazy. Yes.
0: I know what you mean. I, I think we're all fairly entrepreneurial and there's something about when you, and in fact, when you look back at those days, there was this amazing drive and amazing like you could do anything. You feel like a teenager again because you're you're so scared and you're so wired up to get stuff done. And I, I actually miss I miss those startup days. Even though looking back, I remember how hard it was, but I actually missed that feeling. So now so it's 2018. Let's see. How many years is that now? You're now in your?
1: fifth. Been open for five years. Been
0: open for five years. You're in our top ten franchise partners in all of the United States, which is absolutely amazing. So after that ridiculously hard hard year, what do you attribute the success you guys have had? Is it just hard work? Is it you're super intelligent and handsome? Like like <laughs> how what is it? How how did you go from that year? And I know by the way, I know it's still really hard, right? I mean the business still continues to have its challenges, but let's go first with what do you attribute? your success and Greg's success over these last five years?
1: I think it's the fact that we don't give up and you you keep pushing, you keep trying. You're gonna get told no 10 times before you get told yes. And it was, you keep doing it, you keep, you do what's right and the money will follow. You know, we always have, we treat our caregivers, we treat our clients the way, you know, we would want our family treated. We would, you know, whether they were an employer, whether they were a client and the rest of it follows. If you do right by everybody in this industry, you can't help but become successful because eventually the right people are going to see that type of culture and they're, that's who they're going to want to connect themselves to, you know, your referral partners, uh, your social workers and things like that, because that's the type of people they are.
0: Yeah. And you have, I, I guess, doing what's right. What I've always seen when I see you guys at the annual conference, uh, when I see you guys at the award trips, you have been able to stay good friends. Um, and there was a lot of trust before that. So a lot of folks that are looking and, and somebody listening to this episode may be thinking about bringing on a partner, maybe a spouse or a friend. And I would say that out of our franchise partners, probably, I don't know, Rob, would you say that two thirds of our franchise partners have some sort of partnership and a third don't? Is that, I think that's, is that, isn't that about right? Probably.
1: Yeah. Right. A lot of neither a lot spouse of or a friend. Yeah.
0: And Partnerships don't always end up that way. It can be very challenging on a marriage.
1: We were strongly cautioned against it. Our our attorney, when we were setting things up, told us multiple times, you know, you got to have this, um, you know, our our agreement, you know, hammered out because partnerships mostly fail.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like marriages, right? I mean, it's really, really hard. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. It is wonderful. It's amazing. I love my wife. If she's listening, Carolina, I love you. (laughs) But it's freaking hard. It is. so. Uh, What do you attribute your, listen, I find that to be a huge success. A lot of businesses are able to make it, a lot of partnerships don't, even after the business makes it. That's a a weird thing to say. How did you guys do it?
1: I think first and foremost, because neither one of us take ourselves too seriously. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right.
1: So I get angry at Greg. He gets angry at me. We're, we're both jerks when we need to be. And um, we work it out and it rolls off our back. We're both different people. And we wouldn't be anywhere as successful as we are without Greg as a part of it and without me as a part of it. We both bring something different and we're very similar in a lot of ways too. But I think we both respect each other enough to know that the things that are different about each other is also what makes us better as a company.
0: I love that. I love that. I think that's so cool. And, and I think anybody that is thinking, about a partnership should should see how you guys have uh, have done it and i think sometimes there's a little bit of luck there but what you said that you're different yet respect each other and have different skills Sometimes it just works, right? I've had business partners that I wanted to strangle and they want to strangle me. And I've had business partners that I've absolutely loved sometimes. And and I think what you said about writing everything down and having everything defined so that you may have daily disagreements, but you don't have major disagreements about the structure of the business. Do you think that doing all that, doing all the pre-work of putting everything in writing, has that been helpful?
1: I think so. But I mean, really, we were both so laser focused on being successful in this industry. And very quickly grew to love what we do that we're both, even if we're pulling in different manners, we're both pulling in the same direction. And it's always about building the business and taking care of our clients and taking care of our caregivers and supporting our office team and stuff like that.
0: So now let's take you to, we get through the pandemic and one of the biggest questions I get is, man, you are in a business where people are your product. If uh, and if you're listening, you, you need to understand that your product is caregivers, right? If, if you had a factory that was creating a widget, your factory would always be open, you'd always be creating that widget and you'd be selling that widget. And I know that this sounds kind of cold, but in a business sense, your caregivers are what you're producing. You're hiring them, you're training them, you love them, you protect them, you care for them, and then they go out and care for your clients. And that process of hiring caregivers never stops. And we are in a business where we need to hire a lot of these folks. And there's this national, international, by the way, idea that, a lot of people stopped working after the pandemic. They're doing a lot of odd jobs or staying at home or living off of Biden checks here in the United States. So I want to get your perspective. And I know things have, have changed this year. It seems like it, nationally it's getting better. But talk about what that was like for you guys. The the year, uh, right like right after the pandemic, where there was a huge shortage, how are things now? Talk about that.
1: We were very fortunate. We certainly have had our, our challenges with staffing, but I think we've done a really good job of... Treating our employees well, pay at the top of the pay scale. That's not everything, but that's a part of it. It's right. once that's a good way to get people in the door. But once they're there, you've got to you've got to treat them the right way. And we never have turned down a client because of staffing. We've always been able to meet those needs.
0: Rob, that isn't that's that's crazy. Yeah, and I, I'll say right now, I I think that's rare in home care. Most entrepreneurs will get a day where they have to turn down a client because they didn't have the caregiver. And sometimes you even have to refer it to another home care company. I know this sounds crazy, but that's the reality that it, it can happen. You're saying you've never had to do that?
1: Nope. The only time we've referred out to another company is, is Medicaid, just because we don't take Medicaid.
0: Sure. That is amazing. Otherwise, how, how... somebody
1: calls us LTCI, VA, or private pay. The, the answer is Yes.
0: Okay, so hang on. So is it, uh, because I I hear from some entrepreneurs that, in, in Amada, that they, they owe that to we are just in a market where I can find caregivers easily or I have the best recruiter in the world or I have this niche. How? How have you been able to do that even through the pandemic and through such a, a difficult hiring time?
1: I think a large part of it is that we are fortunate that there's a very large pool of candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last two years, uh, we've hired you know 300 people e- each year. So we, we're hiring a lot. Yeah. Um, and we maintain about a hundred and Ten, hundred, and twenty active employees, caregivers each week getting paychecks. Okay. So there's, there's, you know, we have our turnover. We have a lot of turnover, just sure. like everybody else. Right. Um, I think we're fortunate in that just the geography of our market is more compact than probably some others. We have some rural areas that can be challenging, and we might take a little bit of while to staff it. But for the most part, you know, in our core area somebody calls, we can staff something within a day or so. And we've never, and yes, we've had very good recruiters. We do a good job of supporting them. The whole team, you know, interacts and and helps out with that. So no one's on an Island in our office, but I wouldn't say it's the recruiters per se. It's all of it. It's that there's a good pool of caregivers. The recruiters stay busy. You know, we talk about it all the time. We set our goals of what kind of caregivers we need. Our recruiters, all of our recruiters have been our schedulers first, so they understand what the need is. They understand That's to stay ahead of it.
0: And were a lot of them caregivers first?
1: Some were. Okay. And we've been, Greg and I have been very thoughtful about... Who we hire into our office team and being very strategic about building diversity. Not just diversity of like race and, and things like that, but also their backgrounds. We have people that were caregivers. We had people that came from healthcare industry. We can't have people that came from outside healthcare industry. We want to have people that think differently because we, we don't need a company of Rob Stories. We need a company of a whole bunch of different voices bringing different ideas. I need people to challenge what Greg and I, you know, say because it's it's too big and there's too many people involved and we need we need a, a diversity of thought.
0: Okay, so I I love that you said that. Tell me, how big is your staff uh, aside from caregivers? How big is your staff today?
1: Besides me and Greg, we have 7 people in our office.
0: So, here's a pattern that I've noticed. I've noticed that and this seems like it goes without saying, but it's so apparent. Our top 10 franchise partners have done a really good job at hiring extremely good people and not just counting on their own devices, right? Because you can only do so much. And I think a lot of times an entrepreneur will hire good folks, but perhaps not folks that are better than they are. And from what I'm hearing from you, that, that is not for you, too, not a challenge at all. You're happy to hire people that perhaps are even better at doing their, their jobs than, than you guys are and counting on that team. And, and it comes down also to being willing to pay the price for that. Um, yes. Now, I might be putting words in your mouth. Have, have you seen that that is part of your success is paying the right people well and bringing that team in i mean has that been part of the formula
1: it has and then we also try to maybe once a year twice a year do kind of like a an engagement survey type thing so i'll anonymously ask our team to you know respond to certain questions about you know open-ended questions about what they like what they don't like things they'd like to see us change things like that and then i try to talk to them individually and just see how things are going and if there's things that we can do better and usually we don't get a response of, I want more money. It's usually things, you know, around work-life balance, time off, um, maybe some of the just technology, you know, like technology, like, uh, you know, our office staff, nothing we really thought about, but, you know, they wanted headphones because our, you know, our phone system's internet phone. So they're, they wanted to use headphones instead of using their cell phones. So things like that. Yeah. Little things of asking the questions, open-ended questions and listening and then following through.
0: That's it. That's awesome. And it's, it's interesting because that's, I wonder if that's some of the, the skills that you learned from the, the corporate side or it just came natural to you guys that you, you need to do that.
1: Uh, I think a little of both doing that was a was something that was important at CVS. I wouldn't say that we always did a great job of taking action with some of that surveys, sure. but I think Greg and I because it's a smaller organization, we were able to take that action and and that was like one of the things we did this year. You know, last year when we when we did that, you know, what came across from our team was that they wanted more time off. And when Greg and I looked at it, we're like, we're really well staffed in our office. We can afford to give them more Paid time off, it's still going to cost us the same amount over the course of a year. You know, it's not like it costs us more because it's not like if I, if one of my schedulers takes a week off, it's not like we're replacing that payroll. So we, we doubled their paid time off to go That's from, amazing. you know, a week to two weeks starting off and then, you know, accelerated the time off they're able to, they're able to take as, the, as they, you know, are with us longer and longer.
0: So five years, you're in your fifth year. What do you see for the next? Five years. What's what's in the roadmap for you guys?
1: Uh, we're continuing to grow in Illinois, Indiana. We, we're pretty large. We're probably the largest player in our market, but there's still opportunity for us to continue growing in Indiana. I mean, in, in Illinois, we're, we're still in that growth phase, and I think I think over the next five years, we'll probably be able to, to at least double where we're at, maybe two and a half times or one and a half times. And, and I think the real key is is going to be recruiting you know we're at the really the very beginning of that that silver wave that's coming with the the boomers you know i think about my mom is is one of the first boomers and she's not even 80 yet so she's i think turning 77 so that's my mom too yeah in in five years then companies that are successful are going to be the ones that can recruit and retain quality caregivers and that's that's really going to be it i think in five years from now it's going to be a whole different game and that's what it's all going to be about.
0: It's very interesting you should say that because there's this idea that before covid the market has changed since covid and I actually think that the opportunity has never been better and these next 10 15 years are going to be just an unbelievable wave and I think what you said is is right. Uh the company that has the most amount of caregivers and the best relationships and is able to take care of those caregivers is going to win big. I mean, huge. And it's these last 20 years have been about setting your foundation, right? Like this is the time to set your foundation, to be ready for the 77 year olds who are now going to get into their 80s and 90s and are just going to overwhelm our system, by the way, worldwide. I mean, I don't think we understand the crush that is coming of the amount of people who are going to need care not only in our country but worldwide i mean it's unbelievable
1: yeah yep the population's aging i mean i this morning i was listening to the radio and they were talking about the average age in the united states is now 39 years old which is the highest it's ever been and it's only going to grow yeah
0: Well, Rob, thank you so much for taking this time with us. Huge congratulations on on your success. And uh, you and Greg have done an amazing job at building your company there in uh, Northwest Indiana, growing into Orland Park, Illinois. uh, We couldn't be more proud to have you as part of our family. Just to sign off, if you have anything to say to anybody who's looking at a modest senior care, maybe, well, first of all, somebody who's looking at starting a business, they're in corporate America, they're thinking about taking this jump, They got butterflies in their stomach. They're nervous about it. What would you say?
1: Jump. You're never going to find the right time. Don't wait for the right time to present itself the right time to now.
0: Uh, There you go. Rob, thank you so much. We appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate your time, Marcos.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of We Are Amada. If you are interested in pursuing that jump, go to www.com. Do you have to say that anymore, Rob? You have to say www.com. Everyone knows that's where you go, right?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: Can't I just say go to amadaseniorcare.com slash franchise? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to say that anymore. Or You can save yourself all
1: that time. Yeah. You're going to get days back.
0: I know, I can never get that time back. You can also go to your email and type in Amada. And I'm sure you've got an email from Tim Valencia, our VP of Franchise Development. Tim is who Rob mentioned earlier, spoke to him the very first time. And so Tim has been here since, gosh, before Amada was Amada. And uh, he can help you go through this process. I'll be there as well. So if you're interested, please go and reach out to us, continue your discovery process, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you.